0: Run, Let me ask you a question: Have you ever had any fun? <laughs> you know, open-ended question, right? Uh, all right. This is not a trick question. Have you ever had any fun reading? Yeah, okay, good. I wanted at least one person to say, yeah, just you know, to affirm our teachers in the room. Have you ever had any fun reading with Dick and Jane? Dick and Jane, Fun with Dick and Jane, was a popular series of children's books from the 1930s to the 1970s. Their prime purpose was to help children learn to read. And so they were full of very simple sentences like, see, spot, run. Now, spot in the early books was actually a kitten. And there was a dog, I think it was a terrier named Happy. And somehow over the time, the books changed And so Spot became a dog and became a Cocker Spaniel. So somewhere all that changed, and and just a sweet, cute little Cocker Spaniel. I mean, the kind of dog that any kid would love to play with. In fact, it was fun for Dick and Jane to see Spot run. That was fun. They liked it. Spot was nice. But what if Spot looked more like a guard dog at a junkyard? What if spot in the books had big teeth and and scary eyes and had a really loud growl? That would give a whole new meaning to the sentence. See, spot, run. I gave it a shot, you know. Scarier than the scariest junkyard dog you'll ever see, there is actually a spot in my life and in your life that we need to run from. Actually, there are a lot of spots that we need to run from. Dangerous spots that we need to run from as fast as we possibly can. But here's the hard thing. Some of these spots we can't see. How do you run from danger that you can't even see? Well, King David's going to help us try to answer that question. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 12. David writes, Who can discern his errors? This is a a sentence that really needs an exclamation point on the end instead of a question mark. It's it's a sentence that already answers itself. It's kind of like a sentence that would be like this. Do fish swim? Do birds fly? Is rain wet? Is it legal to name your child anonymous? You know, things like that. Is it legal for you to name your child anonymous? You'll get it after lunch. (laughs) David uses a question to draw us into what hopefully we know is an answer that should be pretty obvious. Who can discern his errors? Who can figure out and, and pay attention and catch every single mistake that they make? Who can give a, a perfect itemized list of every time that they've done the wrong thing or thought the wrong thing or, or said the wrong thing, either on purpose or on accident or even when they had no idea they had actually done it? Who can do that? Well, the answer, of course, is nobody. Nobody can do such a thing. There has never been a human being, there will never be a human being who can perfectly figure out and point out and and reason out every single thing that they have ever done wrong. It is not possible. And so here we have one of the wealthiest and most powerful men that have ever lived asking a pretty pointed question with an exclamation point. Who can figure out all their mistakes and their sins? You may have participated in an exercise at a camp or, or maybe at a church service where what you were supposed to do is take a little scrap of paper and write down as many sins as you possibly can on that scrap. And, and then you, you take it maybe to the front where there's a cross and, and you nail it to the cross. Or maybe you take that piece of paper and you crumple it up in a wad and, and you throw it over in a, a trash can somewhere where everybody else throws their little crumpled up pieces of paper. And, or maybe you take it out to a, a pit and you, and you throw it in a fire pit and they burn up all the little pieces of paper. I think I did something like that when I was in high school at a camp, and if I remember right, it was, it was up in the mountains of South Carolina, and I think I remember that it was a little scrap of paper, and I think I wrote in really big letters, and I think I was able to get enough sins to, you know, to figure out the, the front page of that little piece of paper. But see, here's the truth. The truth is, if I had written in really small letters on the front and the back of every single piece of scrap of paper that was passed out in the auditorium that night i would not even be 0.0001% started in exposing my sin and that was when i was a good church going teenager i've had a lot more since then david's question is designed to help us stand in front of a mirror and hear this, you're not really a good person. Boy, I know what you're thinking. Woo, at Holland Avenue. Man, they know how to encourage a guy down there. Boy, they know how to lift a gal spirits down there. I promise we're not trying to discourage you. We, we really want to encourage you. We want to encourage you. We want to offer you. The kind of life, the kind of love, the kind of peace, the kind of hope, the kind of joy that really does last forever. But for the honor of God and for the good of your soul, we cannot offer that to you through lies. We must speak the truth of God. This is how God said it in his book, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Keywords there, all. All all would include Syrian refugees and all would include southern republicans all would include muslim terrorists and all would include midwestern school teachers all would include buddhist priests and baptist preachers no one is left out of the equation all have fallen short no one measures up in any way shape or form our sin is real. Thomas Brooks wrote this. O friends, who can reckon up the secret sinful imaginations, the secret sinful inclinations, the secret pride, the secret blasphemies, the secret hypocrisies, the secret atheistical risings, the secret murmurings, the secret repinings, the secret discontents, the secret insolencies, the secret filthiness, the secret unbelievings, which God might every day charge upon his soul. And then he says this. Should the best and holiest man on earth have but his secret sins written on his forehead, it would not only put him to a crimson blush, but it would make him pull his hat over his eyes or cover his face with a double scarf. Do you think our country would be different if there was more blushing like that in the hallways of Washington, D.C.? Do you think our country would be different if there were more blushing like that in the hallways of your home? You see, what we may not like about DC started in someone's home. What we do matters. What we say to our kids matters. What we say to our grandkids matters. How we speak to our spouse matters. What we do at home matters. Before we chase down our culture, chase down our mirror. That is where revival begins. Let's pray for God to work on our hearts from the inside out. And one way we can do that is getting this sentence, this question. This man, the man who ran one of the biggest governments ever in history. He says, you know what, if you make a great list of your sins, the kind of list that makes you turn deep shades of blush and bashful, you won't even be started And understanding and realizing how short you fall from God's glory. And all of that sin that we could list out, all of it has consequences. Imagine, if you will, that every day for five weeks, this is a great way, at least in my mind, to look at the consequences of sin. Imagine every day for five weeks I go to the Jiffy Food Store in San Antonio, Florida. Florida. And I go inside, and for lunch, I order not a slice, but an entire kumquat pie. If you've never had kumquat pie, neither had I until this weekend, and it is incredible. So I order an entire kumquat pie, and I go out in the parking lot, and I eat the entire pie every day for five weeks. And I don't exercise, and I don't drink water, and I don't have detox tea or some, you know, great juice that's supposed to wash out my body. I don't do anything that's good for me. I just eat A whole kumquat pie every day for lunch. I can tell you what the consequences, because I know my body, I can tell you the consequences of what that would be. After five weeks, I would be the nighttime janitor at the Jiffy Food Store making extra money to buy my new wardrobe at the big and tall shop. Emphasis on the big there. See, there'd be consequences to that for my life. So what kind of consequences come with sin? Well, in some ways, it depends on the sin. At the very least, we can say this. All sin, in a sense, is immediate idolatry. All sin. Because see, what we're doing in that moment is we are, are choosing to trust in the word of sin. We're choosing to trust in the promises of sin instead of trusting in the promises of God, instead of leaning on the promises of God. The reality is there are some dangerous spots in our lives, and part of it is because we are trusting in sin. Instead of in God. Remember, this is David talking here. For these previous sentences, verses 7 through 11, he's been talking about the Bible. These are the words he uses to describe the Bible perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, desirable, and sweet. Listen to those again, and I want you to think of every commercial that you'll watch during the Super Bowl. I want you to think of every ad that you looked at over Christmas. I want you to think of every promise you've ever made to your spouse or to your kids or to your grandkids. And you tell me if it falls in this category. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, desirable, and sweet. There's something about God's word that that really can't even be described, but David's taken a shot. And remember, David is someone who knew about the finest things in life. We could probably even compare David to now. He still probably would be one of the wealthiest people in the world. He understands the fine things. And he writes that the word of God is spilling over with reward for your soul. Spilling over. And so when we sin, what we're doing is we're saying, I don't want the reward of God. I want the lies of sin. I'm going to choose the lies of sin instead of enjoying the reward of God but it's much more than just idolatry, right? I mean, we will look at just a, a few sins here. Gossip is idolatry that can lead to calamity and destruction. Lust is idolatry that can lead to adultery. The whole aspect of jealousy throughout the scriptures shows us that it's the kind of idolatry that can lead to murder. This is how James describes Sin. James 1.15, then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. That's a strange pregnancy story right there, isn't it? Luck is not a biblical concept, but I want to use a, a quote from Oprah Winfrey about luck just to try to help us think a little bit about what James is saying. This is what Oprah Winfrey once said, I believe luck is preparation meeting opportunity. If you hadn't been prepared when the opportunity came along, you wouldn't have been lucky. All right, so I want to take that little ditty that I don't agree with, by the way, but I want to take that little ditty, and I want to try to reword it thinking about the words of James and the words of King David and really the teaching of all of Scripture. It goes a little bit like this when it comes to death and sin. Death, in the sense of sin, is where preparation meets opportunity. If you hadn't been prepared with sinful desire when the opportunity to sin came along, you wouldn't have been tempted. A little play on words. But the idea is this, is to make a connection with this one word that James uses. He said what? He said, when sin is accomplished. It's no longer pregnant. Sin has given birth. And James says it gives birth to death. The deepest consequence of our sin is that sin actually brings, ultimately, it can bring the curse, literally, physically, and spiritually, the curse of eternal death. I think sometimes we hear the word death and we just go, oh, well, that's just the final thing. But that's never how the Bible describes it. In Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is actually death. So it's not just a, just a physical death. There's, there's some kind of eternal separation that we try to word in human words, but it's hard to describe. That we're separated from what is good and holy and satisfying forever. And the way the Bible describes it is we're aware of it. That if we don't have Christ, that, that a person would be aware of that there is a place that is good and holy and satisfying, but they're not there, and they're experiencing nothing but loneliness and horror forever and ever and ever. That's, that's how the Bible describes this picture of eternal death. One paraphrase of the Bible looks at Romans 6.23 this way. Work hard for your sin your whole life, and your pension is death. It's discouraging, right? See, sin will promise you a 1.3 billion dollar But all it delivers is death. Sin has all kind of promises, but the only thing it can deliver is the curse of being a pain-filled, miserable zombie for all eternity. That's what it delivers. Can you feel it? Doesn't this sermon just scream, Happy New Year? (laughs) But don't miss the irony. Because see, the irony is this. Happy is the man or the woman or the teenager or the boy or the girl who realizes that they cannot count their mistakes. They can't keep up with their faults. They they can't map out and itemize their errors. And happy is the man and the woman or the teenager or the boy and the girl that realizes that's a problem. That's a big deal. Happy is the one that realizes sin must be dealt with. Because if we don't see that sin is a problem, then here's what we do. We just focus on our image. We just focus on what we look like in public. The Bible describes that with another word. It's called hypocrisy. This is what Jesus said about hypocrisy. But there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. <laughs> that, that'll sit right with you, right? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, for letting me know that everything is going to be exposed. He went one step further in verse 3. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you've whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Well, that just gives us a lot of more touchy-feelys, right? Man, that's just great. Good news, good news. Jesus said those words a thousand years after David died, and yet David understood it already because of what he wrote next. Listen to verse 12 again. Acquit me of my hidden thoughts. So you ask the question, who can discern errors? Who can figure out mistakes and sins? And the answer, of course, is, well, nobody. And David goes, oh, that's a problem. God, acquit me of my hidden faults. David says, wait there's no way that I can know all of my sin, but I know it's there, and I know that God can see it. And so he pleads with God in prayer, God, will you help me, acquit me, cleanse me, release me, empty me of these things. Do not let these hidden secret sins live in my life. Take the spots away. You see, there's some secret hidden sin in our life that that we can't see. And then there's other secret hidden sin that we're trying to hide. You know, it's the the stuff we don't want our spouses to see. We don't want our kids or our grandkids to see. We, We don't want our pastor to see. We don't want anybody to see these things. We want them to stay out of view. And truthfully, that's a good thing. But there's some people who think that's no big deal. There's some people that think it's not a a bad thing. The whole notion is the old idea of, well, you know, as long as as nobody sees it, as long as nobody hears it, then then everything's okay. You can find that idea in verse 15 of 2nd Hallucinations, chapter 3. It's not true. I mean, what did Jesus already just tell us? He said, nothing's going to be hidden, nothing. Psalm 33, verse 13 says this, The Lord looks from heaven. He sees only what you do on Friday nights. (laughs) He sees only in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. He sees all. God sees everything. See, David knew that was true. He knew. So he looked to heaven. He, He pleaded with God, God, would you empty me out? Would you cleanse me? Would you deal with the sin that I know about? and the sin that I don't know about, and the sin that I'm hiding. Do you pray that way? Listen, because of the very nature of the message of the Bible, and because of the very nature of what David's saying here, I can safely make this statement on behalf of all of us. Every single one of us are hiding a hidden fault. Maybe lots of them. (laughs) It's, it's the very nature of what's described in the Scripture. There's sins that we don't even know about, and then there's sins that we're hiding. Every single one of us struggle with these things. Now, look, I'm not going to ask you to, to write things down on a scrap of paper. We're not going to bring them up to the front. By the way, I'll never ask you to do that. <laughs> we're not going to bring them up to the front and have a burning or anything like that. But I will say this. For the sake of our marriages... For the sake of our kids, for the sake of our grandkids, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our community, for the sake of our country, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your own soul, I am asking us, all of us, to take revival personally and that we would start off this new year following David's lead. God, Equip me of my hidden faults. That would, that would be a prayer of our lives. Not just one that we pray at the end of a service on a Sunday morning, but the one we pray at the breakfast table on Wednesday morning. That there would be this constant attitude that we would be turning to God's truth and saying, God, would you help me see? And even the things that I don't see, would you empty those too? And what do you think will happen in your life when you start praying that way? You think God will just take the big chalkboard with all your sins written on it and just erase it and say, hey, just draw smiley faces. Everything's going to be great from here on out. Do you think if you start praying this way that everything's just going to turn into ice cold lemonade and come quite pie? Oh, yeah, man. I'm praying about hidden faults. All's perfect. Ray Stedman has a very interesting angle on what might happen as we start to pray God, acquit me of my hidden faults. This is what he said. God's way of dealing with hidden faults is either to send someone to point them out to you or to bring them out through some circumstance in which you are suddenly confronted with what you have done or said and you find that it is ugly and you do not like it. And then he says this. You know that you can see the faults of somebody you are thinking about right now better than that person can. And you say, I don't see how that person could be so blind. And then he says this. Someone is thinking that very same way about you. Mm, Out, right? And then he says, that's why it's always proper to say, Lord, cleanse me from hidden faults. So we have hidden faults. We have personal idolatry. We have exposed sin. We have spiritual death. Boy, this is just a goodie basket to start the new year off with, right? So is there any good news? Is is there any good news in the middle of all this? Well, yes and no. It's really not good news. It's great news. It's incredible news. It's astounding news. It's the kind of news that we sang about just a moment ago. My name is written in your wounds. And this is the news, the second part of Paul's sentence. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, death does not have to be the destination. We can be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be accepted by God. We can have brand new, everlasting, eternal life starting today and lasting forever and ever and ever. And how can we do that? Well, we can do that by believing in the Son of God. We can do that by believing that what happened on the cross satisfied what we owed for sin. We can put our faith in Jesus Christ and then we can do this. We can keep believing and we can keep clinging and we can keep relying and keep trusting on the truth of Jesus more than we trust in the lies of sin. You see, at the end of the day, the answer to our hidden faults is the answer to every single thing in your life. And that answer is Jesus, the Son of God. Martin Luther was a priest, a professor of theology in the 1500s. He was a man very devoted to fasting, very devoted to praying, very devoted to studying God's Word and and teaching God's Word and sharing God's Word. But he was really struggling with what he saw in the Bible and what he saw in his church. It didn't match but then the word of God broke through into his life. He was reading through Romans and and saw this picture of what it meant to be justified by our faith, what it meant to be made right with God because of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what he wrote. And before I read it, there probably is somebody here this morning that feels exactly like this first sentence. I hated God And I was angry with him because not content with frightening us sinners by the law and by the miseries of life, he still further increased our torture by the gospel. In other words, the notion that you had to be saved. It's bad enough that life is hard. It's bad enough that I know I'm not always doing the right thing. And then you tell me I also got to be saved. Are you kidding me? And then he said this, but... When by the Spirit of God I understood those words, the just shall live by faith, then I felt born again. Like a new man, I entered in by the open doors into the very paradise of God. Listen, if you are not a Christian, I plead with you to put your faith in Christ today. Today, right now, won't be like this forever, but today The doors of paradise are open to you. Don't wait. Repent. Be be born again. Have this satisfaction in Jesus. And maybe that has already happened to you. Maybe God has already captured your heart. Maybe you have received salvation. If so, I just want to give three quick applications to this very hard message. Well, it was, it was hard to me. And those applications are this. Number one, we deal with hidden faults by looking to Christ. The way that we deal with anything in life, but particularly hidden faults, is by looking to Christ, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Paul said this. He said, you know what? I look at every single thing that I own. I look at all of my degrees. I look at everything I have in every account. I look at all the accomplishments I have in life. I look at my family and my friends. Everything I have in life, I look at that. I put it here, and then I put Jesus here, and there's no comparison. He is more valuable. Look to Christ. The second thing we can do to deal with hidden thoughts is to run away. I was studying one time in a restaurant, and I had ordered a piece of cheesecake. It was a huge piece of cheesecake, too. And so I'm sitting there. I finished the cheesecake, and I'd been studying there for a while. The waitress came back over, and she said, "Uh, Can I get you anything else? And I said, Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the chocolate cake now. And it was one of those moments where I thought, I need to leave and run away. You know, I need to quit studying and I need to run away in this moment or I'm going to gain a lot of weight. Joseph, the account of his life in the Bible. Joseph had a day, a moment, where he was being drawn into immorality. And it was the kind of immorality that could have been hidden behind closed doors. I mean, the kind of thing that maybe nobody would ever see or know about. But he ran. He ran so fast, he left his clothes behind. He ran so fast, he lost his job. He ran so fast that ultimately he lost his freedom. And what was he thinking as he was running away from temptation? What was he thinking as he was running away from sin? Was he thinking, oh, man, this is, this is not good. I, I might lose my job. Was he thinking, oh, man, I, I, this is terrible. I, I might have to go to jail for this. Was he thinking, man, what's this going to do to my reputation This is what the Bible says Joseph was thinking. Genesis 39.9. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Listen, if we cannot understand that our sin is ultimately against God, we will never be able to deal with our hidden faults. In fact, what we'll do is we'll start doing that thing that everybody does. Well, I mean, you know, as long as nobody gets hurt, it's okay. Listen. Sin hurts someone every single time. First and most, from a human sense, you. See, sin hurts. In a way, in a sense, in the moment of our sin, in our personal life, our sin is killing the glory of God in our lives. So killing the glory of God in our life, would be one reason that we should run from sin as fast as we can. And then one more. We deal with hidden faults by looking to God's word. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan, what did he say? It is written. It is written. It is, it is written. Jesus, in his greatest moment of temptation, kept falling back on the eternal truth of God, the eternal words of God. There's a lady talking to a sea captain one day, and she said, so do you know on your sea routes where all the shallow water is and and where all the rocks are? And the sea captain said, no, I don't. But I do know where the deep waters are. See, we may not be able to to see all the, the danger that's out there, but we do know who to trust, we know the path to take. David understood firsthand what it meant to shipwreck your life. He had done it more than once. And here he's about 10 years before he died. He's, he's late in life and he's looking back and he's realizing, man, I wish I would have been more in the deep waters of God because he found out that the deep waters of sin. They will try to drown and kill you, and sometimes they'll succeed. But he also discovered that the deep waters of God, the deep waters of God's truth, they're full of mercy and full of love and full of grace and full of life, life that lasts forever. When it comes to the dangerous spots in life, may God give us strength to run away from them as fast as we can. But when it comes to the truth about Jesus, may God give us strength to treasure Jesus Christ more than anything in all the world and to run to him and to never leave.